Welcome back to the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. I'm your host, Sally Holder, and we have an exciting episode for you today. I am bringing it back to my roots because we have an attorney here with us. You're going to love hearing from Elizabeth Hamilton. She is an attorney with a law firm that we have partnered with over the course of the last year, and I just have absolutely loved getting to know her even better. And I knew that all of you would benefit from hearing from Elizabeth about exactly how attorneys can be your advocates. For all of you female entrepreneurs out there, you need a lawyer and she is a great one. So I, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce her and let her give you all the scoop on exactly the ways that she can help and serve all of you out there. So welcome, Elizabeth. I'm so excited to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks, Sally. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Um, yeah, we, you know, I love working with women businesses. You and I share a, a very, well, the same passion, really, which is helping women entrepreneurs grow and succeed and, and be as, as successful as they, they would like to be. And um, so because of that, I uh, I help in the legal capacity and have kind of morphed and, and shaped my practice to be that one-stop shop for women entrepreneurs. So, uh, a, if you will, a general, general counsel for hire um, of sorts. And um, so I know what that term is because I used to deal with lots of general counsels of large corporations. But when you say general counsel to a solopreneur who is, you know, a female entrepreneur wanting to create a seven-figure business, sometimes they get intimidated by that. Rightfully so, right? We get intimidated by things we don't know about. So let's break that down for them and just talk about all of the ways that a general counsel as a independent contractor really serving the business can be a huge asset to them. Talk, tell me some of the things that they can really, that you can take off of their plate and, and help advocate for them. Sure. And and you hit the nail on the head. It's about taking something off their plate, right? So they can, they can focus on how to run their business. And that's just one less thing that they have to worry about. So for example, it can be anything from, um, you know, reviewing contracts, right? And making sure that they're not signing a contract that they should not be signing, which is is often, right? And it's often, um, yeah. I see that, pro- that's probably the, the biggest thing I see is someone is signing something they should not be. And they just, they don't know what they don't know, right? And so um, basically my goal is to be the one-stop shop. So if it's somebody slips and falls, in my store. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, if right. a- well, I've had two clients have that happen very right. recently. Right. Call Elizabeth. You know, if there's a, I need a new LLC, call Elizabeth. If I need a contract review, call Elizabeth. Basically, you know, oh, we found mold in our building. Call Elizabeth. You know, those kind of things. New employee, uh, employee is joining us. Okay. Let's get her onboarded, him or her. And Let's do it properly, right? Which would include um, non-disclosure agreements sometimes, protecting your trade secrets, protecting um, confidential information. And that all has to be done in a very specific way, um, which is missed a lot, right? And, and uh, anyway, so we're, I'm here to be a, basically a one-stop shop for all things legal. But what I've also found too, because corporate counsel or, or general counsel or 
however you want to describe it, they do other things besides just law, right? It's it's your go-to for other things like negotiations. So mm-hmm. let's say you need a negotiation that the owner, CEO doesn't want to handle. Well, okay, go to Elizabeth. She'll handle the negotiations for you or you don't feel comfortable having that conversation. Great. Go to Elizabeth. She'll hand it for you. And so you can work in a non-legal capacity. And so I'm not the lawyer negotiating for you. I'm just, I'm just a representative. And so that way you're not having a lawyer come in with a big stick, right? Mm-hmm. Too big of a stick and, and being too confrontational because sometimes you can have that, right? And and um, so anyway, so I found that there is a need and a want for, particularly with women entrepreneurs who needs just somebody to, to help with those things. You know, I can think of so many of the creative female entrepreneurs, which is who we specialize in serving at the brim. Um, You know, let's say it is an artist who has some incredible works and she really wants to create a licensing agreement. She wants to license some of that work. Um, That's work that you can advise her about, or let's say, her work is going to be in a gallery and the gallery hands her a contract to sign. And, you know, that's something that you can then review for her. Um, I can just think of a million different scenarios like that. And much like you're saying, many of them, unfortunately, enter into those contracts believing, um, and, and not to be cynical here, but believing that the other party has their best interests at heart. And, Unfortunately, that's oftentimes not the case. Hundred percent. So, yeah, exactly. The 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 drafter or the person who is giving your your client the con excuse me the contract is drafted in his favor, right? It's in in favor of, of of them. And so, what you really need is a lawyer to come in and look at it from your point of view and how it would benefit you. And that's where you get, you know, the negotiations. Um, I tell you, for example, um, a lease. I see this mm-hmm. a lot in all businesses of all sizes. The lease, um, the commercial lease, a lot of business owners don't know that that really should be negotiated. And it can be negotiated and it can have huge consequences because of one thing, the personal guarantee that's typically attached to it. You know, for example, um, had a client recently who she bought into a franchise mm-hmm. and had not, didn't really have any experience, business experience. She had a PhD, brilliant woman, just wonderful, but did sure. not have really any business experience. And so I was helping her with her loan and we do finance, business financing as well. Um, but so I was helping her with her loan and I was looking at the uh, the lease and I said, well, why is this a lease for 10 years? And she said, well, I just figure if my franchise agreement is 10 years, then I might as well have my lease be for 10 years. And I said, okay. So I understand that makes that makes sense. But let me show you the the impact of that. And you know, typically in these leases, they have, you know, rent escalation each year. And they have these other things that are, you know, include common area maintenance that I won't bore you and get all in the details. My point is, is that the rent really goes, it can get hot, can increase dramatically. 
And if you've got that personal guarantee at the back, we calculated the life of the lease and all the escalations. And she would have been on the hook personally for over $1.5 million. Oh my gosh. So what they do, and this is what lawyers help you with, um, real estate, business real estate lawyers, okay, is you negotiate that down and split that term up into maybe two five-year terms, right? With maybe a five-year term with the, um, the option to renew. So now you've taken that personal guarantee and the value that you're on the hook for and you cut it in half. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, just a, a tip for all those who's out there, you know, who are a retail or, or whatever who need a, a space to rent. Be careful of that lease. Hey, listeners, we are so excited to share that the fourth annual Brim Retreat will be taking place in Austin, Texas. This is the premier event for female entrepreneurs that are ready to take their business to the next level. Taking place from April 30th through May 3rd, this three-day event is led by expert business coach Sally Holder and perfectly combines opportunities to connect, learn from the best across industries, and fill your cup with exclusive experiences and group activities. This is your chance to join 150 other phenomenal entrepreneurs and get away from the distractions of everyday life. Give yourself the dedicated time, space, and experiences that will enable you to come back and create massive leaps in your business. So are you ready to have your aha moment in Austin with the brim? To grab your ticket or learn more, visit us at growwiththebrim.com. But hurry, because this event will sell out. I I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, obviously the person that's presenting it to you is going to make it sound like it is most beneficial to you because they're selling you. And it is easy to believe that. But it is so important to be reminded that we need to be represented and have our own advocate at the table. Um, So what are the circumstances that you find... um, that someone really needs to come to you and get counsel? Should they wait until they have an issue like a lease arise or a negotiation? Or should they come, you know, let's say after this podcast and reach out and say, you know what, I don't have counsel right now as a a record, right? I don't have someone I can rely on for these things. Let's just go ahead and start a relationship. Which situation do you find is best? Definitely, if you're a business and you're up and running, I I always think it's a good idea to kind of have a pulse check, right? Check in with your lawyer, your business attorney. And that's different than someone who is not a business attorney. It's practicing in some other area, right? All lawyers are not created equally. And um, they have their areas of practice, typically. And so you want to make sure you have a business attorney. and Which you are. Which is what I am. And, but... My and I'm kind of segueing here for a minute so you can pull me back and <laughs> get back on track. Um, but my experience lends itself to being able to do multiple areas of law. So I've done, I've got a banking background. I was in um, the Global Corporate Investment Bank for a, a Fortune 100 bank for four years. And um, also, I was a general counsel for 
South Carolina Department of Revenue. I was a litigation team. I was a commercial litigator, business litigator. I've, I've litigated multi-million dollar contracts between two huge manufacturing companies that were just going after each other. Um, I've litigated massive developments. And so, and now the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, I love litigation. It's fun um, in many, many ways, but I want to help women entrepreneurs avoid that because litigation. I'd probably make more money, honestly, if I was a litigator because... (laughs) Because they're so expensive. I mean, it is, there's a reason why lawyers are litigators, okay? And uh, they're they're very expensive. So it's it's wise to check in with a business attorney and say, hey, how do my documents look? Here are my corporate documents. Um, here are some of my contracts. Um, you know, here are some of the things that I'm thinking about doing. And uh, and here's a lease. This is this is my lease. Those type of things that you can kind of it's like going for a checkup, right? Just come in for a checkup. Let's you know do an analysis, see where you are, and then it could be nothing. You know, you're in great shape. But you know, I know we talked about this previously. Um, when you're setting up your LLC or your your entity, you know, your the proper inter- entity is is important, right? Mm-hmm. And the internet and automation and so forth these days have made it very easy for entrepreneurs just to go form their own LLC or or a company or whatever. Um, and I have a lot of friends who will do that. Uh, but the big question I always ask them is, okay, well, this is simply for the state of South Carolina, for example. Okay, is okay, well, is it a term company or is it an at-will company? And all of a sudden, everybody stops. And it's like, what? What does that mean? Or they've had an accountant that has set up their LLC and an accountant is, listen, I, I can't do their job by any means whatsoever. So, and they're, then they're wonderful partners to lawyers. But not all CPAs or financial individuals or professionals may not understand the legality behind what they're actually setting up. And so, for example, in South Carolina, if you're a term LLC, then that is, there's some credit protection there. If you're at will, not as much protection. And so that's something that a, a financial um, professional may not know, or if you're setting up mm-hmm. yourself, you may not know. So that's another reason to go to a lawyer for those nuances to make sure you're actually protected the way that you think you are. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like, given everything you just said, that, you know, everyone would benefit from, as you just mentioned, having a checkup, right? And having a go-to person to be able to even pick up the phone and ask those questions, um, which you can do without a lengthy meeting and without having to review documents, you know, sometimes. Um and, you know, avoid massive expense because when you do the checkup, then you get to avoid the litigation. To me, um, everything you were just saying is be proactive rather than reactive. And the reactive, when you're being reactive, then it's likely you're just on the defense headed towards litigation. And there's not much you can do at that point other than just fight the fight. Um it would be much more beneficial to reach out to you in advance and then you can change things 
now and be much more proactive. Um, and there may be all different kinds, it sounds like, ways to protect yourselves that we hadn't even thought of. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. And that goes back to the, you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. Um, you know, and I think it's very similar to you. I mean, I've, I've gone through your, your coaching program. It's phenomenal. And it really is in, impactful and full of um, very, very useful information. And if you're an entrepreneur, I can imagine it's like, well, you don't know what you don't know. Well, then when you get into Sally's course, you do know, you find out, right? So right. Um, very, very similar. And it's just part of, of being educated as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So in being educated, I'm dying to know what are the top three documents that you feel like every entrepreneur needs to have, has to have um, in order for them to really be able to thrive? Um, Because I know that there are certain things that, you know, we at the Brim always talk about, we're about fundamentals, not fads. And so... I know that there are some fundamental things that we need to have in place. So what are they? Oh, um, it's hard to narrow it down to three, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are, so you make contracts every day, all day long. And uh, I know you know that. I think, uh, you know, if you have more than one member in your company, you really need an operating agreement you must have an operating agreement because the operating agreement is going to tell you. And just one sec, by member, you mean another owner, right? If there's more, right. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So you definitely need an operating agreement that's going to tell you how to run your business. Now, the operating agreement in my mind is really something is when you don't agree. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can run your business as long as it's legal. You can run your business as however you would like to, and you all agree, right? But when you start to disagree and one wants to do something one way and the other one wants to do it another way, what do you do? You go to your operating agreement and it tells you what you're going to do. Um, and that's another great way uh, it, to capture succession planning, right? <laughs> and voting, what's a majority vote to do this and and various other really important uh, business aspects. Um, so definitely an operating agreement would be would be one. And you need it mm-hmm. as if you're the sole member too, because a lot of times if if you need money, uh, if you I need was going to say, yeah, the banks require it because, and honestly, that's really more for them to CYA and make sure mm-hmm. that you're legitimate. And mm-hmm. it's without boring your listeners, um, you know, it's, Corporate formalities is something is is a buzzword, right? And it's a legal term of art. And you need those corporate formalities to exist within your business to be protected by the corporate shield, right? The limited liability. To have limited liability, you have to have those corporate formalities. And having an operating agreement is one of them. Yes. And the limited liability means in layman's terms then nobody can come after your home and all your personal assets, guys. And so we want to limit, right, to our liability with regard to our very personal assets that don't have anything to do with the business. Yeah, and that's, you know, you make a great point, Sally, because that's really what it's all about, right? What mm-hmm. Everything we've talked about up to now, to this point, is all about limiting that liability. Mm-hmm. And that's why you do that pulse check, right? That's why you yeah. come in and get a checkup 
to see, make sure you are limiting that liability um, and saving money. You know, you uh, and, and, you know, a lot of financial advisors, you want to cut costs, right? Well, and, and expenses and man, what a, uh, I don't know if there's a bigger cost than an unforeseen litigation, right? So, oh gosh. Or, or whatnot, right? So anyway, get sidetracked again. So yes, back to the, the operating agreement. Mm-hmm. You know, I think today, um, probably more than ever because of social media, um, because, you know, it's, it's very trendy to talk brand um, and important, right? Marketing is probably, I'd say marketing is more important now, or maybe just in the forefront that it, it ever has been with Instagram and, and all the social media and, and so forth. You really want to protect your intellectual property. You want to protect your uh, your business intellectual property, right? And, and know-how, mm-hmm. if you will. So you want to make sure that you're protecting your trade secrets and you are protecting uh, your confidential information. And so when you're onboarding someone, you want to make sure that those things are in the employment agreement and it's signed at the time of employment because if it's not signed at the time of employment and let's say you've you hired me and in a year you came to me and said hey Elizabeth I need you to sign this non-disclosure agreement non-solicitation agreement I can explain what that is in a minute but I need you to sign all these things and I do well one thing you need in a contract is what's called consideration right and you not giving me anything for it and me just signing it as a salary employee or something I would already have and get from you in our employment relationship is not going to create a binding contract. And so I would get out and and, and that agreement would not be enforceable, right? So right. At the end of the day, they're giving up something by signing the agreement. Their rights that they have to pursue legal action or to potentially you know, um, solicit some of um, employees or clients after the fact, et cetera, they're giving things up. And so in exchange for that, you have to give them something too. And I'm always kind of pointing that back out to people and they say, well, why not? Right. And I'm like, because there has to be a mutual exchange and you, you haven't given anything. Uh, you already gave them the salary. You already promised them that we got to give them something else because this is on top of what you've already given them. You're asking them to give something else. So yeah, right. absolutely. Meaningful too, not just mm-hmm. a little nominal thing, you know, something that's, you know, Oh, here, here's, here's a, you know, very small gift card here. Yeah, that's not enough. Right. There, it, it depends. Of course, as every lawyer loves to say, depends right on the situation. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, so that would be that would be a good one to have when you're onboarding someone. Um, Then I would say um, next one would be your um, your real estate, you know, depending on what you're doing. I think that's really just another really important area um, that you need someone to review. Is that, again, that lease or if you're buying that commercial space, because buying commercial, which we do as well, um, it's different than buying residential, right? There are a lot Mm -hmm. of things that that go into that. Um, But outside of that, I would say it's your normal, your normal contracts, your everyday, you know, contracts with your vendors Mm -hmm. and, you know, distributors, or if you say you're an influencer, 
you know, maybe it's your contract with the company that you're representing, right? You know, one of the things, for example, that we've seen recently is uh, with, you know, the popularity of influencer is who owns the content, right? Mm -hmm. Who owns the content that you are making? Well, if you're not careful and you don't read the contract carefully, because nine times out of 10, I'm sure it's drafted by the company who has the product that they want you to then go sell for them. Somewhere in that contract, I'm willing to bet they're telling you that you are assigning them or or giving them a license to use all of your copyright stuff, right? Mm -hmm. What you do for them. So Mm -hmm. you just got to be careful with all of that. Yeah. So it's sounding like operating agreement. Um, and the second was your any kind of employment agreements or um, what did you mention? Second, the um, like the non-disclosure, non-disclosure. The non- yeah. Non-solicitation. And what I meant by that is non-solicitation can be like, hey, Sally, you're hiring me, Elizabeth. You can't go take my employees. You can't go take my clients. Those type of things. Um, And then the third is really having a contract in place that has an agreement between and creating formality between the relationships that you have. It seems like whatever document you need to have, you need to have a document creating formality with your kind of customer relationships if you're not currently doing that. Right. Exactly. And a lot of times that can just be like a master services agreement, right? Mm -hmm. Something like that. Or, and a lot of it, you can get, we can get in the weeds, which we won't do, but you know, there are contracts all the time on on e-commerce, right? The websites. And so there's certain ways that you, you um, format the website um, that are creating those, those type of contracts. And so anyway, it can, get, yeah. it can get technical. It can get very technical. But overall, just breaking it down on, on a very simple level is whatever you're providing, just make sure that whatever those risks are in your business and every business has them, <clears throat> that you have some type of agreement trying to minimize that risk. Yeah. And we make our largest purchases oftentimes you know, based on relationships, whether it's, you know, a real estate purchase and you're initially agreeing based on your relationship with your broker or your friend or, or inventory based on your friend with whatever the manufacturer, the designer, and you believe that everybody has the same intentions, but then, right, the communication on certain like aspects aren't communicated and your assumptions aren't right. And then, you know, suddenly you've lost all your profit and all your margin in, you know, whatever your products or services are. So I I love this. I think those three are absolutely phenomenal. And just like you said, um, all too often today, I'm seeing that it, that they simply do not exist. Um, And for fear, let's just debunk this myth too, because I think for fear that, they're going to spend a ton of money if they come to someone like you to get an agreement drafted. And so right. I know that you can't put out any kind of, you know, generalities because it does vary based on the sophistication of the contract and all of that. But I mean, give our listeners some kind of idea that, you know, it absolutely can be 
you know, a, a feed that is um, something that they can swallow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. For, for contracts. I mean, look, what drives up the price of um, a contract would be a lot of heavy negotiations, right? Um, or quite honestly, giving me a document that you got off the internet and then that you want me to then go revise. Because yeah, more expensive, isn't it? Right. It's way more expensive for me to try to correct that awful document you just grabbed from whoever knows where. And, and that happens a lot. For a me, lot. For you just to give, excuse me, for me just to give you a proper document that I know is going to be, um, it's going to be adequate, mm-hmm. right? Nothing's right. bulletproof, nothing's bulletproof, but, but, but it's going to be, it's going to set you in the, in the right direction and protect you well. So, and no, those, those all can be very reasonable. And I will say this is much more reasonable than the alternative of not having it and not being protected and then having to do and, and, and fight for your business. I mean, I have, a. Great example. Um, I had a client who um, had a great idea. I mean, just a phenomenal idea. And uh, so they didn't have any money. So what happened is they got some funding and they created this fantastic franchise. The artwork was theirs. The recipe was theirs. The whole idea was theirs. And they went into a deal um, with two people, two other people. So you've got three people and now a company. Well, one of them drafted the operating agreement. It wasn't the one with the idea. And then took that operating agreement to an attorney who was not a business attorney. And mm-hmm. to to this day, they they've basically lost their business. And now it's a na- it's a national franchise. Oh my gosh. It's awful. And, and we we fought we fought hard and clawed back a lot of it, but they still would not be in the position that they would have been, right? And so to me, that spending the money for the negotiations up front with me and those other two um mm-hmm. owners would have saved them millions, oh millions gosh. and millions of dollars just because yeah. once you sign that document, sometimes you you put somebody else in, in the upper hand it's hard to claw that back and, and get your footing. Right. And here we go. That's one of the key right documents that now yeah. you're telling all of us needs to be in place. And that's just a great example of what ends up happening that so many of us don't anticipate. Again, going into it with you know an open heart and an open mind thinking that... And that's why... Love you, but you can be our cynical friend that has seen all the disasters that have gone wrong and right help us avoid them. But I think that that's a really important thing, right? Because as the CEO, you want to maintain your visionary status, your excitement. And that is that is another benefit of having counsel there and allowing, you know, someone else to employ that role of you know, cynic and naysayer and doubter of the other party and and, and allow you to not have to wear that hat as the CEO. Right. Not only, you know, can it be burdensome, but it it probably isn't your zone of genius either. And it is Elizabeth's, which is, you know, so critical. So, um, 
you know, I just see so many different things, but one is, is personal that I know really well. And that is recently for a client of mine, you also helped with negotiating and helped them find, right, the right person to hire, right, for executive level positions and are really, um, and this goes back to your negotiation skills, um, really amazing at being able to help negotiate what their salary would be, what their benefits would be, what their contract would be. And I think that as our entrepreneurs who are listening to the podcast are growing, that is a big part of what they end up facing is I want to add other people. I'm just not exactly sure how I would do it. Um, and, you know, it scares me to go through that process. And so can you kind of walk us through how you were the advocate for that potential employer and, you know, what an asset that can be. Because to me, I mean, again, talk about a hat I don't want to wear. I want our relationship also, once they come into the company, to be great. And uh, so I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to outsource the bad guy role. And and I I love that you're willing to take that on. So kind of share with our audience about that. Yeah, you know, that's probably the non-legal hat though that I was talking about earlier. Um but, but valuable. But oh, for sure. And I but I think mm-hmm. that's just because I've been in business for so long and I've been in various areas of business and just true. And, it's, it's, and as a lawyer, they teach you negotiation skills. Oh, it very sure. much is a big part of, of what we do or absolutely. <laughs> absolutely hundred percent. Um but you know, for in this particular situation, um negotiations had already been done for the most part. Um, and then it landed on my desk to kind of paper it. Right. Um, and a lot of times that's, it's simple that the, the owners and, and the, the business women and men will make their deal. And then you bring it to the lawyer and we put it on paper and we make it actually work. Um, so in this particular instance, that's what I was doing is I was going to paper the, the employment contract and look at the terms of the deal. But when the there was an offer, a counter offer from the employee or potential employee, and when I looked at that, um, there were some red flags. And so I had was talking with the owner of the company. I said, "Hey, you know, do you agree to this?" And she said, "Well, I don't even know what I'm looking at, really. I don't know." And I said, "Okay, well, great. That's thank you for being honest. Let's sit down and talk about what some of these things mean." Right. I mean, there were there were things in there, for example, where it was automatically uh, there's going to be increase in, in salaries annually for showing up, um, <laughs> breathing. That was it. And then there was going to be bonuses on top of that. But without any true metric, because, you know, is that is that base there? That's well, I won't get into the math. But anyway, there needed to be a better metric. And then, uh, you know, they wanted, I don't know, 8% of her business. And that's a big deal, guys. I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it can be a really big deal when someone is coming into your business, right? Because, mm-hmm. the, again, you need a lawyer for that. Um, and so another red flag was if this person wanted to sell the business, the next day, there would be an escalation that that the potential employee would automatically vest the 8% of the company. And so they would get 8% of the sale, right? Um, it just, there were just some, some red flags. So mm-hmm. I said, you know, I know you're excited 
think about it. I said, in the meantime, would you like me to kind of do some research about this particular person? And she said, sure, go for it. Well, fast forward, we found out that it was not a great fit. And um, some some previous coworkers were not that, um, he did not get the glowing reviews that that we thought. So but I um, love what I love about you is that is very unique guys is that she goes above and beyond. So noticing, not only noticing the red flags, because I would just point out the facts are a lot of other attorneys would have just done what the person said to do, papered it up, gotten them to sign it and not provided any additional advice. And to me, that is what is extraordinary about you and your approach to this and why I wanted our listeners to hear from you is that um, you're going to make sure that they understand everything about what they're giving up and and even to the point of you know, doing the additional research behind the scenes to verify, right, that that they should even be entering into their agreement. And I think that that has to be pointed out how amazing that is, truly. Well, thanks, Liz. It's only because I I just love my clients. I love protecting. You know, I feel I'm a protector by heart. And so mm-hmm. I can't, you know, that's probably the the advocate in me. And I just always feel like I need to just, you know, warn my clients if I see something that's, you know, potentially could be not in their best interest. And and so I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not, <laughs> but it is a great thing. It's what it's I do. Great thing. I enjoy you it. know, I, I say that too, like you don't want a lawyer who's merely jo- going to do what you tell them to do. Right. And if you like, that's not going to help you at all because then they're not providing, right much of the service that you're in fact paying for, which is their opinion. Um, And, you know, a lot of them, as we both well know, will just run up the fee and send the bill and that's about it. Um, So I think it's um, remarkable. I love that you can be that advocate for female entrepreneurs that I can, you know, put your name out there to all of our listeners and say, you know, find representation, guys, protect your interests. You are growing, you are creating these amazing businesses. And we want you to continue, both of us, Elizabeth and I want you to continue to keep that 100% ownership interest of, because you've worked too damn hard, right, to create it. So, um, and now when you need legal counsel, you know who to reach out to, you know where to start too. Like, that's the wonderful thing. Even if you're not in the state of South Carolina, whatever, there may be some agreements that Elizabeth could do for you there, you know, but she may be able to point you in the right direction, even if it's something that she cannot draft. But um, reach out to her first and get that checkup. And when our listeners do reach out to you, Elizabeth, where do they go? How can they get in touch with you and um, do their checkup? Well, they can go to, they can email me, which is E Hamilton, H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N at smithcox.com. And, and that's C-O-X? C-O-X, yes. Thank you. S-M-I-T-H-C-O-X.com. Um, also have an Instagram, Elizabeth Hamilton Esquire. That's, I'm sorry. I apologize for the way it looks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying and that is not my strength. That is not my strong uh, suit at all. So see, um, 
we don't have it all. And uh, so it's, it's piddly, but it's there. And, and folks are welcome to, to reach out to me there as well. Yeah. I hope our listeners will do that. I hope you guys will send her an email again. You can reach out to her and, and begin that process of getting advice and shoring up your business and making sure that it's protected. So thank you for all of your amazing advice. This Thanks is having me. fantastic. Um, no, our listeners got a ton out of it. And, you know, this is something that isn't sexy all the time, but boy, is it necessary. So um, I appreciate all of your time. It's very valuable. Thank you. So thank you listeners for joining us for this episode of the Hitting Rock Metal podcast. I hope that today's episode made your life and your business just a little bit better. 